Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Don Butera. Hey, good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm excited to share a message with you today. Actually, um, this is uh, the last of three. We have three more left in the series, Time is Running Out. Uh, you know, it's interesting. This is the longest series I've ever done uh, while I've been a pastor here at ICCIFGF. And these last three messages, I'm real excited about it. This week, we're going to be talking about the conquering king. Next week, we're going to be talking about the great white throne. And then the week after that, we're going to be talking about the new heavens and new earth. Now, the name of the series was Time is Running Out. And actually, in this message, in uh, Revelation, where we are now, in chapter 19, we're actually going to see that time has run out. So let me just jump in. I'm going to read a scripture that's not from uh, Revelations to start, uh, so that we can kind of get an idea of what's going on. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses th 13 through 18, it says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that uh, we will not grieve, you will not grieve like the people who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died uh, and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, he will bring back with him the believers who have died. Uh, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For Christ, or for the Lord himself, will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will, ri will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive uh, and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. This is the picture. This is the description of what has been called the rapture. And I believe the Lord is going to return. And I believe the Lord can return soon. Now, I want to share some thoughts before we even jump in to the passage. And I want to say this, that when, you know, being a pastor, I read and, and listen to many, many, many different uh, teachings and sermons and stuff. And when I come across a, a place where theologians, guys who are way smarter than me, way smarter, and study hours upon hours, when I find that they, even, these, even theologians have differing points of views on subjects, uh, I find that sometimes the best thing to do is like just say, hey, listen, let's not argue about these things. Let's just go to what we know. Actually, Paul did this. Paul went to what he knows when he would uh, have subjects where people had differing opinions. In, in 1 Corinthians and in Romans, there's places where uh, there was like meat offered to idols and, and some people would say, we can't do it, we can't eat it. Other people say we can. And Paul would always say this. He says, this is what we know. We always go to what we know. So he always does this. And so like in the book of Revelation, let's be honest. I mean, if you've done any study... If you haven't read the book of Revelation, well, then you're not blessed because the Bible says if you read the book of Revelation, you will be blessed. And 
several weeks ago, probably 10 weeks ago or so, I, I said uh, uh, this, that the book of Revelation is about a revelation of Jesus Christ. And, you know, when I see guys, I'll just be honest, when I see guys, they map it all out and they say, this is the this and the seven years and the three and a half years, and this is the tribulation and this is the millennial, and they, they map it all out as if they know exactly when and where all these things will take place I kind of just pause for a little bit and I just listen and I try to learn. But I'm telling you, you know how many different positions there are about the return of Jesus Christ, like as to when it will happen? There's post-trib, mid-trib, odd-trib, no-trib. There's post-millennial, pre-millennial, uh, mid-millennial, no-millennial. There's, there's so many different things about the subjects about, like, is the, is the book of Revelation, is it linear? Is it, is it a recap? Is it, a, you know, is it folding into itself? I mean, I've seen so many and read so many different types of understandings about it. What I like to do is I like to go to what I know. Ooh, go to what you know. That's a good statement right there. And so basically, this is what we know. I can guarantee you, and I know that the Lord is returning, and he can come at any time. I know this. There's no doubt about it. The Bible's clear. I know that he is and will and has and will conquer everything and will destroy all evil. This is what I know. I know that when he appears, we will go with him. I know that he goes to prepare a place so that where he is, I will be also. Or where he is, we will be there also. I also know that the Lord has said to prepare, to get ready. Revelations 14, 12, to remain faithful and to continue the testimony of Jesus Christ. I know that's what he's telling us to do. He also tells us to be watchful. Means we need to watch for his coming. We need to watch for signs of his coming. And I know that it, he will be displayed in glory and my God will come down in an array of glory that will blow the minds of every person, even those who study the book of Revelation, I believe that they will even be amazed at what God does. And so some have said, and I said this before in Revelation chapter 4, some have said that in the passage that we're going to study today, uh, that the, this is the rapture. Now, you know, some believe that, some don't. Some say yes, some say no, and all the arguments are there. I do know one thing, time this is the end of time. If you want to know the end of time before eternity begins, we are in that place right now. And, and I know that all eyes, uh, you know, my eyes will be open when he returns, my, I, that I'm prepared and ready for his return. And I continue to keep my heart soft and waiting and listening and watching. And that's what God wants us to do. And I know that Jesus wants every one of us to overcome to receive salvation and to overcome the evil one by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. This is what God desires. So I may say some things that you might not agree with or you might say, well, he's off there. Well, you know what? Those are the things, I guarantee you, the things I just said are true. And yes and amen. Now, we're in the book of Revelation 19 and let's read verse uh, 11. It says, then I saw heaven open. Again, heaven is open. He continues to see heaven open. And 
a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages uh, a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire. Where have you heard that before out of Revelations chapter 1? And on his head there were many crowns, and a name was given to him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and he had a title, and that title was the Word of God. We've heard that again. John actually writes that in the first chapter uh, of uh, John, the, the Gospel of John. And then it says, the armies of heaven dressed in the finest white, uh, pure linen, linen followed him, and they were on white horses too. And from his mouth came a sharp sword uh, to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release uh, a fierce wrath of, of God and the Almighty like juice flowing from the winepress. His robes at his, uh, excuse me, at, on his robe at the thigh is written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That title has been given to him. He owns that title. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen from your homes and say that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in this position, what we see now is we see a conquering king. Our king is coming down from heaven to wipe out all evil. And it says here, I love this description because this is a different description than we knew Jesus when we see him in the Gospels. You see, before he came on a donkey and now he is riding on a white horse. Before, there was nothing about him that we would find to be something uh, worthwhile to know him. But now, hallelujah, he has a title, faithful and true. Before, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was saying to people, who do people say I am? They don't even know who he is. But now he has a title. He is the word of God. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. It says that b before what it was, he came with his hands out saying, uh, take me, receive me. Uh, I am your servant, right? That was before. Now what is he? He's ruling with an iron rod. He's the king. He's over everything. You see, you, you saw him the way he was before. That was your opportunity. Now he's coming and it's time is, is run out. Before, there was compassion in his eyes. Now there's fire in his eyes. The first time he came, there was ro his robes would become bloody. Now his robes are dipped in the blood that brought salvation to us all. Woo! I just get so excited about this. Before, he was saying, come and join me. In a little while, in chapter 20, the books will be open and it will be too late to join the question will be, where do you sit? Where, uh, who, who, what books do you want to be judged on? I'll talk about that next week. And so this is our conquering king. This is his description. This is who he is. And I am so glad 
Woo! I'm so glad I'm going to be riding behind him. Oh, I'm, gl- I'm looking forward to seeing him in his white dipped blood, uh, his robes dipped in blood, and I'm going to be riding on my white horse right behind him. Woo! I'm so excited about that. I'm thrilled to see my king. It says here, so who are we coming? Uh, who is he, co- uh, you know, what's he coming to conquer? And in Revelation 19, 6 and 8, 6 through 8, it tells us what he's coming to conquer. It says, praise the Lord, for the Lord our God almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And the bride has made herself ready. She has been given the finest clothes. Notice she's been given clothes. She doesn't have her own clothes. They've been given to her by her bridegroom. We have been given robes of white by our king. Oh, hallelujah. And it says, and, and it says the finest robes to wear. And then fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Now, in this verse, we see the picture of what the plan of Jesus was, what the plan of God was all along. And he uses the wedding analogy. And so I want to go through the cultural. There's three things in the cultural uh, 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 of that time, the marriage of that time, three things that show us what the conquering king, the rider on the white horse, what he is coming to do and what he's been planning and doing all alone. Now there's three stages in this marriage. It was always three stages in the marriage um, in that culture at that time. There was the proposal, there was the presentation, and then there was the party. Woo! Then there was the party. And so I want to walk through these three and show you the plan of God and what he has planned and why chapter 19 is the final time where all of evil now will finally be wiped out. Oh, I'm so excited about that. And I'll tell you why evil is going to be wiped out. It's a beautiful thing. It shows the love of God amazingly. A lot of times people look, now I'm going off a little bit. A lot of times people look at the wrath of God. They say, I can't believe, you know, there's no such thing as the wrath of God. Oh yeah? Let me tell you right now. It would be very hard for me If someone did something to my wife, it would be very hard. It would be extremely hard for me to forgive them. It would be more likely that if there was something evil happening to my wife, if I went in my house and something was happening to my wife, I would attack that thing that was hurting my wife and I would destroy it because I love my wife. How much more our bridegroom who's coming from the clouds to take us home, to wipe out all the evil that has caused us all kinds of problems, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So first, there is the proposal or what has been called the betrothal or the, you know, they betroth the wife. What does that mean? Now, in, the, in, in that time, what would happen is there would be a contract made. There was actually a, a contract that was made uh, with, between two families. So the bridegroom would come and uh, they would offer, uh, the, the bridegroom would give a deposit and say, listen, I want to uh, marry, a, it's a contract. I guarantee I will marry this woman. This is, this is something uh, deeper than uh, what has happened here in our culture. 
uh, you know, we give a, an engagement ring and we see the family, but we kind of can just separate. Actually, in that time, they, you needed a divorce. So at that point, sometimes it was even before the, the couple got married. You know, I know that my, my uh, son-in-law, my son-in-law, he, he owns some uh, Yamaha dealership. And, you know, that was part of the, the, the gift for me to, for him to have my daughter. He gave me a Yamaha. <laughs> just, he actually did, but, you know, that wasn't part of the contract. Maybe it was. We'll see. Anyways, I'll talk to him later about that. So anyways, the betrothal. Now, what's interesting is that God, it says in the word of God that God, before the foundation of the world, he died for you. See, before the foundation of the world, God had already made a betrothal to the people of this world. And he says, I want to marry you. I will marry you. And we know that when God makes a, a, a contract or a covenant, it is fulfilled. He says, you know, it, we see this over and over again in the Old Testament. We see this in Genesis chapter 17, where, where God makes a covenant with Abraham. And usually when they made that covenant, they would go between the sacrifice, they would cut the sacrifice in two, and they, together they would walk between the sacrifice uh, securing that covenant. But if you know the story, actually at that time, Abram, ne Abraham never walked through that sacrifice. God walked through those sacrifices alone. Why? Because his covenant was not with Abraham. His covenant was with himself. And so he made a covenant. Ooh, I'm, gonna, I'm getting off, but I'm going to say it. That's exactly, if you're looking to get married, or you're married, that's exactly what you should or are doing and what you actually did. And that is you make a covenant with yourself between you and God that you will remain the husband or wife to the person that you are marrying. You don't make a contract with that person. You make a covenant with God and yourself. And I'm glad that God made that covenant uh, and it wasn't depending on me. It was all depending on him. He made that covenant for himself. And he said, I make a covenant with myself that I want, hallelujah, the people of this earth to be my bride. He does this over and over again. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to skip these things because I, I want to make sure I get to everything I have to get to. So the betrothal was done a long time ago. The second part is the presentation. It's called the presentation. So we have the betrothal and then we have this time of presentation. It would be a time where they would, the, they, the, the bridegroom would take the wife. She wasn't here as wife yet. So it would take his, you know, fiance or the bride to be. And it says that he would present them to the families and to the friends. And so basically he would get her and she would, she would get all dressed up beautiful and, and everything. And then he would say, guys, family, dad, mom, I want to present to you my bride to be. And he would present that bride, and that bride would be considered uh, without spot or wrinkle. That bride was to be clean and a virgin and everything. And so Jesus, in the same way, did that for us. That's why he came the first time. He came the first time to clean us, to make us ready, 
so that we would be presented into heaven a, 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 a bride without spot or wrinkle. It is through the blood of Jesus. It's that white robe that we see here in Revelation chapter 19. It's that white robe that was put on us. It's through the blood of Jesus. And that means we are presented to God. And when he, If you're out there right now and you feel like you are unworthy, you believe in Jesus, and you feel unworthy, and you feel like you have shame on your life, I want you to receive the forgiveness of God. Receive the blood of Jesus. Let him cleanse you from all sin and shame. And he makes you beautiful. He sees you. It says in Ephesians, he sees you as a masterpiece. He, in, in, in Ephesians, it says, what does it say? It says, he will hold you up. Just he will present you. He will present you to all the, the rulers and authorities and high places. He will present you and say, look at my masterpiece. That's exactly the reason why he came the first time. He came so that we would be a bride without spot or wrinkle. That he could present us, hallelujah, to all of heaven and even to his father and say, look at my bride. Now, we see this a little bit in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. It says, for husbands, now it's talking about us uh, or me, uh, those who are husbands. Husbands, this means love your wives, listen to this, just as Christ loved the church. And this is what he says. He says, he gave up his life to her. Why? To make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of the word of God. Listen to this. He did this to present her to himself, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, uh, she will be holy and without fault. This is why Jesus came the first time. We were betrothed to him. He you know, he, he made a contract with us. He, he made a promise with us before the foundation of the world. And then he came and he cleansed us and he made us perfect. And he made us, he made us holy in the blood of Jesus. You, all your sins are forgiven when you are in Jesus. If you don't know if you're in Jesus right now, bow your head. Say, God, I hear what he's saying. I want to be clean. God, I ask you to come into my life. I receive you. I want you as my bridegroom. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. And Jesus will come and make you ready for the rapture. Because at the rapture, this is when... He's going to bring you up. And then we have finally in chapter 19, we have the final wedding. Woo! The rider is the one who is faithful and true. He comes. He comes riding. The armies of heaven uh, are behind him. And what's he do? He's coming to wipe it out. And let's listen to verse 17. What happens when the rider comes down to earth? It says, then I saw an angel standing in the sun. So verse 17, shouting to the vultures uh, uh, flying high in the sky. He said, come, gather together for the great banquet 
of uh, the great, great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors of uh, horses and their horses and their riders and, all the, uh, and of all humanity, both free and slave and great and small. And then I saw the beast, the evil one, the devil, and the kings of the earth and, and, their, and, they, and, their enemy, and their armies gathered together to fight against them. So what we see is we see the armies of heaven coming down. And we see those who have aligned themselves with the devil standing there, getting ready to fight the one on the white horse. horse. And it says, and the beast was captured. And with him, the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who were accepted the mark of the beast, uh, who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and the false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Sulfur. Their, uh, their entire army was killed by the, the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding on the white horse. And the vultures all gouged themselves on the dead bodies. And so this is a total and complete victory by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I think I said it last week. If I didn't, I'll say it again this week. Notice the armies riding behind the man on the white horse, the God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, on the white horses behind him, they have no weapons. They don't do any of the fighting. As a matter of fact, it says here that the fighting is done by the sword that's out of his mouth. He will simply speak. That's how powerful our God is. There's actually a passage that says that by the breath of his nostrils, he will wipe out evil. Now, I don't know about you, but aren't you ready? Aren't you tired of evil on this earth. I am sick of evil on this earth. I am sick of what it does. I am sick of death. We had uh, a very good friend of ours just recently, this past week, he died. It was so sad. I was really sad by that because he was a good friend of ours, part of our community. Suddenly, death, all of it will be wiped out. All evil will be wiped off the face of the earth. Can't you see the one who sits on the throne, the bridegroom, finally saying, this is, this is the sense I feel what's happening here at this moment, is the bridegroom is saying, enough. Enough. Time, it's time to wipe out the evil that has been tormenting my bride. Enough. I have been patient I have waited. I have waited to see, hallelujah, those. I want as many as possible to come to me. He says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have a loving God, and he is patient. And if you're suffering, it's because he's waiting for more people to come to him because he wants every person. He doesn't want to wipe out anyone. But there is a time. There is a limit. There is a place where the, the, the bowls are filled, where the cup is filled. And now the time has come for, Jesus, for God and Jesus to say, you know what? Time is out. I will now, ha, I will now wipe out all the evil. This is a loving act by our God because he loves me, because he loves you. Because he loves his bride. And any husband 
who truly loves his bride will wipe out any evil that tries to torment his wife. And so, you know, there's a verse in Revelation chapter 6 that we get a sense of this, this idea of the patience of God and the suffering of, their, of the people who want to be with God. It says in Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 and 11, it says, Under the altar, the souls of all who have been martyred by the word, uh, for the word of God, and uh, for they brought faithful testimony. They shouted to the Lord and they said, O sovereign God, O holy and true uh, Lord, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and, and avenge our blood for, the, for what they have done to us? And then a white robe will be given to them. And they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of brothers and sisters, their fellow servants, of Jesus Christ were to be martyred and to join with him. See, he was waiting because he wanted more people to come to him. Trust me, we live right now in the age of grace. Maybe you actually have uh, been angry at God. Maybe you have continued to reject God. Trust me, he doesn't want to reject you. He wants you to come to him. He loves you. He's looking for you. He's waiting. He's actually letting his bride suffer so that you can come to him. He desires to see all men come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He wants you as his bride. He sees you. He loves you. He reaches his hand out. Now his hand is out, stretched, waiting for you to come. And this is why he tells us, those who may be suffering, if you're suffering right now and you're struggling under the weight of evil and, and, and disease and death and those things that you're struggling with, he says in, verse, in chapter 14, he says, this means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying the commandments and maintaining their faith in Jesus Christ, oh, bride of Christ, he wants you to remain faithful. Don't turn your back. Continue to testify about the blood of Jesus Christ. That is what will cause you to overcome. The blood of Jesus and the word of your testimony. Tell someone this week that, hallelujah, Jesus loves them, that Jesus wants them, that Jesus cares for them. To me, when I read the book of Revelation, I get such a revelation of Jesus Christ and that God wants us to tell others about the saving knowledge, about the reason why Jesus came in the first place. That's what he wants. But now here we see in Revelation chapter 19 that now the time of the wedding supper and feast is here. The vows have been exchanged. The celebration has become. The evil now has been wiped out. And traditionally in these weddings, I don't know if you've ever been to a, 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 an Indian wedding. I've been to an Indian, Indian wedding. They last for days. They love to celebrate, man. They just love to celebrate. And the wedding feast goes on and on and on and on. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. The wedding feast. Hallelujah. That's coming in chapters 20 and 21 or 21 and 22. But now time has run out. Now you might think you have time. You actually might think you have time. And as I sat here and go, one, two, three, time is running out. 
The Lord can come back at any time. Can I say this? Like, for example, our friend, our, our blessed brother, who we love, he just went to be with the Lord. He was young. He had a heart attack and died. Life is so fragile. But this, this life is just a short part of every person's life. The question is, where do you want to live for eternity? We're going to talk about that next week. Now, I want you to notice something here. I love this. It says the armies of heaven, the armies of heaven, they're following the white horse. They're following their king. They're following. So you have the armies of heaven and you have the armies of earth. And so the armies of heaven are looking down, following the king. The armies of the earth are looking up at the king. So there's one army following. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again this week. There's one army following the king. There's one army facing the king. My question to you is, which one are you doing? Are you facing the king or are you following the king? If you're facing the king, it says that you will be in big trouble. It says that you now oppose the one on the white horse. The ones who follow are following. So where are you right now? Where are you right now? When, when the apostle Peter, in the book of Acts, he began to kind of basically talk about Jesus Christ. And he said, there are some who are against him. There are some who are for him. And he began to talk about what Jesus did for them and how he died for them, but they rejected him. See, when you're rejecting him, this is what you're facing. And it says that he began to talk to them and he, he began to tell them so much about Jesus. It says they would begin to get convicted in their heart. They knew they, they couldn't resist anymore. Stop resisting the goodness of God. Stop resisting God's salvation. He's offering it to you now. It says in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 37, it says they were convicted. They were cut to the heart. And it says those who were listening asked Peter and the other disciples or the other apostles, brothers, what must we do now? What must we do to be saved? And Peter said, change your life. Turn to God and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins will be forgiven and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise that is targeted to you and to your children and to their children, for all who are far away, for whoever the Lord calls or whoever calls on the Lord. This is what God's promises to you. Simply receive Turn your life. It's funny. Turn your life from this way to looking down and following the king. Turn your life today. Give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, I said to this, late, this girl one time, I was, I, was, I was telling her about Jesus. I don't know why. I'll just share this testimony and then I'll stop. I was sharing with her about Jesus and she was struggling in her life and she kept resisting God. She, was, she just kept resisting God and, and over and over and, and finally, you know, I looked at her and I said, you know what? I won't use her name. I'll just make a name up. Uh, Shelly, you know Shelly? It's not really her name, but I'll just use that name. Shelly, you, know you know what the problem is? 
I said, she said, well, I said, you need to get married. She said, well, I want to be married. I said, no, 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 no. You need to marry God. I want you to go home tonight and I want you to get on your knees and I want you to say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, I give myself, I become your bride, God. She didn't say much. Next day, uh, I happened to talk to her on the phone. I, I called her and, and, I, and I actually had forgotten I even said that to her. And she said to me, she said, she said, hey, pastor. I said, hey, how you doing? She goes, I got married last night. I'm thinking, what? You got married last night? She goes, yeah, I got on my knees and I asked, I asked God to, to be my husband. I married him. I decided I was just going to marry him. So I married Jesus. I said, oh, that's wonderful. I said, and, and what happened after that? She goes, well, two things. She said, one, I started to pray and I felt such a depth in God, such a, I just sensed his presence for the first time ever. I knew he was with me. I knew he was part of my life. I knew he could hear my prayers. And then she said, I also slept really, really good. Today, when you hear his voice, when you hear it, and as I'm speaking, I have a sense some of you are hearing his voice. Do not harden your heart. Turn, turn to God. Receive him. Change your life. Say, Jesus, I want to receive you. DM me or put it in the chat box. That would be, put it in the chat. Say, I want to get baptized, pastor. I want to marry the rider on the white horse. I want to follow him. Because in the end, you will celebrate the wedding feast with him. I want to pray for you right now. I'm going to ask that if you're in your house, just bow your heads, put your coffee down, uh, you know, and just, you know, just get quiet. Tell everybody to be quiet. And I want you to just pray this prayer with me. Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, today I want to follow you. Today, I want to be on your side. I don't want to be against you, God. I want to be with you. So, Lord God, I ask you to come into my life, to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, I will follow you all the days of my life. Lord, today I decide that I am going to be a follower of Jesus and I am going to marry you. Lord, Forgive me of my sins. Lord, fill me with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord God, let me sense your presence right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now before you jump around and go get a cup of coffee and go get some breakfast or whatever, if you said that prayer for the first time, I want you to DM me or turn to the DM me or put it in the chat box or even just tell the person you're sitting next to, say, this is the first time I've ever asked Jesus in my heart and contact me. I'd love to talk to you about it. All right. God bless you. Have a great day. God loves you.